It's 8.30 on Monday, October 8th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, will a Mississippi Senate committee take action toward changing the state's lifelong voting ban? We'll hear from advocates hoping for reform. Then, after everyday tech, Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman warns us of a phone scam over voter registration just ahead of today's deadline. Find out what to watch for and hear what he calls a bigger issue. The biggest threat, I think, to our republic is not that you're going to lose a ballot in the process. We're not connected to the Internet. That's not going to happen. The biggest threat is you don't vote, and you control that. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians are calling on state legislators for voting reform. Advocates, experts, and people impacted by an 1890 voting law testified before the Senate Judiciary B Committee on Friday, hoping for change. They say Mississippi is one of the few states that imposes a lifetime voting ban for various crimes. Jody Owens is managing attorney at the Southern Poverty Law Center. He tells our desk Fraser Moore. Mississippi is one of only four states that has a lifetime voting ban for certain enumerated uh, felonies and some misdemeanors. And more than 130 years ago, at the 1890 state constitution for Mississippi, shortly after the Civil War, uh, there were laws placed on the books solely for disenfranchising the right to vote for people of color. And today, 130 years later, uh, those laws are disfranchising all of Mississippi, uh, both African-Americans and our white brothers and sisters. So today, this committee heard about the problem, the effects that this looks like in real time. Individuals who have served two-year sentences but 20 and 30 years later still can't vote. We've even had an individual testify the day here that he never even served any time but lost his right to vote. And generally, all these offenses were nonviolent, and they happened to individuals when they were very young in their lives. All of them are productive citizens today working and have families, and they're advocating for a better process to regain their right to vote or an automatic process to regain their right to vote than the one currently on the books that's arbitrary and it's very complicated. Can you describe what crimes, are there any that are exempt? It's interesting. Uh, there are crimes that are exempt. When these crimes are looked at, they were called feature family crimes, crimes that poor people of color would commit, uh, taking timber from someone's land, uh, writing a, a bad check for $100. Very small, minor offenses that would basically take you out of the democracy that we know, which is the right to vote. Uh, there are other crimes where individuals can sell uh, large amounts of drugs and still be a lot of the opportunity to vote. So, again, it's an arbitrary system, not only on the crimes that were selected, but also in the process to get your right to vote back. That's why we think the legislature uh, and the courts have to take a more keen look at this. The surrounding southern states, Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, are all looking and working on this issue, either through the litigation or through the legislatures. And it's our hope that in 2019 session, Mississippi would do something similar. What we heard from one of the senators is there's no easy fix for this. Well, I certainly think that, as Senator Chairman uh, Hobbrine acknowledged, that people sometimes look at this fix being easy on crime. So there's people that will use it against people as a way to discredit their effectability at the legislature. But ultimately, I think the theme that we heard continuously was that of redemption and forgiveness. Uh, we heard uh, C.J. Rhodes, Pastor C.J. Rhodes speak, who was the president of the uh, Mississippi for Clergy Reform, and the acknowledgement that, uh, and the belief that a higher power forgives all of us, and certainly individuals who paid their debt to society deserves a second chance. 
Are you suing the state? We, we currently are litigating against the state in Hopkins v. Hoseman. Uh, we've sued the Secretary of State's office regarding the system and scheme in place. It's our hope that scheme will be viewed as unconstitutional, and hopefully we can get some relief with the courts, if not through the legislature. They said maybe not in 2019. We're optimistic that when provided the information that Mississippi is in the minority and as the chairman asked, give me what 35 or 40 states are doing. Well, 35 and 40 states are doing it well and right and not disenfranchising this is permanently. We hope to get that information to them later this month to reconsider the position and what can happen. I think 2019 is an election year, so it's difficult to do bold things. SPLC managing attorney Jody Owens. Dennis Hopkins is one of the many who hope to see that change. The Marshall County coach is seeking his voting rights. Hopkins was convicted of grand larceny 20 years ago and served four years in prison. He tells our Desiree Frazier he's paid his debt. First of all, it's only uh, reality that we're all human and we make mistakes. And it's hard for you to sit and throw a stone at me when you're not perfect yourself. So and for my children and for my brother and, and for people behind me and people that's going for the future, we, we should all have a right to be heard and should vote because, you know, believe it or not, I'm, I'm not a bad guy and I, I, I got good ideas. So if somebody would sit and listen to them or maybe I can just decide to vote on somebody that will listen to them, I may have something, you know, who knows. Tell me about your family. I have uh, eight, nine kids. Uh, I adopted some of them. And a lot of people ask me, how do you do it? How do you raise that many children? But I'm because God asked me to. So I wouldn't change my life for nothing. And uh, I, we just, me and my wife, she's a school teacher. And she works two, jo- two jobs, and I work two jobs. And it's hard, I'm not going to lie. But it's, it's rewarding also. And, and in my life, I, I think the, the rewarding part overcomes the, the, the bad times. So... So, but anyway, for the state of Mississippi, thought I was good enough. I, I went through training. I went through classes. I went through an FBI background check. I uh, took CPR classes, uh, a bunch of medical classes because you have to. But anyway, I was found in the state of Mississippi to be good enough to foster children and control somebody else's life and somebody else's kids. But I'm not thought of as the type of person that should be able to vote. You know what? That is a very difficult pill to follow, uh, to swallow, because the fact is, is um, I, I just feel like if I have to pay my taxes, I should be able to say, "Hey, I have a right to say where my taxes go, uh, and I have a right to choose what bill should be passed." And I, I have all those rights, and I shouldn't have to pay you and then sit down and be quiet and get in the corner. So, so I think it's time for us to come together and and let's forgive the people for the crime that they committed, such as myself, because. I have paid my debt, so it's it's my turn for my voice to be heard. Dennis Hopkins of Marshall County with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Senate Democrat David Blunt of Jackson agrees with the need for revisions. The committee member tells MPB's Desiree Frazier more. The law in Mississippi needs to be changed. The bottom line is when you commit a crime, a serious crime, uh, you should lose your right to vote. But after you've paid your debt to society, after you've served your time, you've satisfied the conditions of your sentence, you've 
satisfied probation, parole, you should get that right to vote back. You should become a full-fledged citizen again. You should uh, get a job, pay taxes, and regain the right to vote. And that's not the process right now in Mississippi. Mississippi's process is the most restrictive in the nation. Uh, and it's, it's frankly arbitrary. It's not, it treats different people differently. Uh, the list of crimes doesn't make any sense. So we need to change it, and I think today's meeting was a good first step. What happens now? Well, we're, uh, there are two lawsuits going on right now, uh, but it would be preferable for the legislature, for the people who have been elected, to solve this problem ourselves. And we can solve it uh, by passing legislation in the upcoming legislative session, and I hope we'll do that. It didn't sound like that would happen. I think uh, Chairman Bryant said probably not in 2019. Well, I never predict what might happen in a legislative session. I certainly am going to try to make that change. I know next year is an election year for the legislature, but uh, we're going to figure out whether it needs to be legislation or whether it needs to be a constitutional amendment, but uh, we are going to be working on this issue next year. When you talked about how um, arbitrary the laws are, it's kind of confusing for someone just listening to figure out what would allow you to vote and what would not. It is confusing. The initial list of crimes was not based on any sort of rational reason. It was based on racial animus. Uh, And there are heinous felonies where a person doesn't lose the right to vote. It doesn't make any sense. And most importantly, it's a lifetime ban. So we need to change it. Senator David Blunt, Republican committee member, Senator Angela Hill of Marion County, says they'll have to study the issue carefully. A constitutional amendment may be necessary to change the law, and it would have to stand up in court. To see our team's updates throughout the day, follow MPB News on Twitter. Coming up after Everyday Tech, find out what voting scam to watch for and hear what the Secretary of State calls an even bigger issue. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Russ Robinson, inviting you to join us right here on MPB for Friday night. Under the lights, we'll get you all the scores and keep you up to date on all the players at 10 p.m. every Friday night this fall. Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Friday night under the lights. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilts Couture, and today we're discussing pets and technology. So, Wilts, how has technology changed the way people interact with their pets? Well, Michelle, just like technology has definitely revolutionized the way that all of us communicate with each other, be it via instant messaging, texting, uh, video chat, a lot of those same things are actually coming to the pet world. Now, I think we're a long ways off from the day being that our pets are going to actually be texting us back and forth, but we've definitely seen technology's influence when it comes to pet cams. Um, These are devices that can be set up at your home, uh, being set up with a lot of different kennels and veterinary offices. Uh, Say, for example, if your pet was having to stay overnight from a procedure, uh, maybe you're on an extended vacation and you've had to board them, or even you're just at the office during the day, you can actually interact with your pet with video and audio. So you can actually see what's going on. You can actually talk back and forth because let's be realistic with this. 
When it comes to pets, both owners and pets can have a little bit of separation anxiety. There's, there's nothing wrong with using technology to alleviate that, both for the pet and for the pet owner as well. So honestly, that has been a huge advantage when it comes to our utilization of technology with our pets. So Wilts, technology not only allows people to interact with their pets in a more effective way, but it also can help you keep them healthy and active. Well, indeed it can. Just like we're seeing with modern smartphones and some of the smart wearables, that we have out there. These same things have also come out for pets. And so what we have is essentially fitness monitors as well as GPS trackers that you can affix to your dog, cat, or any other animal that you have as a pet. So at its core would be the GPS tracking. We've all seen the heartbreaking signs whenever someone has lost a pet. Uh, be it from a thunderstorm that got them a little bit scared, they ran off, or, or what have you. With modern GPS technology, even the collar your pet is wearing can help ensure that they actually make it back home. An important thing to remember with this also, though, is just remember you got to have one with a good battery because the battery will eventually run out. So taking it a step further, wearables for your pets today make it possible to collect data about your pet's activity levels, about their diet, and can even alert you if it's sensing unusual behaviors or other kind of health concerns. Several devices can even be set up to connect to your veterinarian in order to help them keep tabs on your dog's health. Remember, by focusing on health as well as activity with our pets, it can also kind of help us out. So just imagine if your pet's getting a lot of good exercise, hopefully you're getting out there with them as well, and it could end up paying off for both of you. Wilts, I've heard a lot about microchipping. What exactly is microchipping, and is it safe for your pet? Well, Michelle, a microchip for your pet is a small device placed just under their skin by your veterinarian. It's probably about the size of a grain of rice. And what happens is this device can be scanned by veterinarians across the country or by humane societies whenever a pet is actually found, and it links into a database that would contain your information, contact information, names, etc., so that they can make sure that your pet is reunited with you. It can definitely be the difference between a lost and found family pet. Is microchipping expensive? Microchipping in and of itself is really not all that expensive. You're generally looking at a one-time fee of anywhere between $25 to $40. Do people need to be concerned about privacy issues? Well, the only information that's actually held on the microchip is an identifying number. So this is not a device that is transmitting or sending out information. Your personal information is not actually contained in that chip in your pet. What's actually there is just a number, just an ID number, very similar to a social security number or driver's license number. And the veterinarian or humane society would have to then take that number, plug it into a separate database to look up your information. So Fido is not walking around with your phone number and address actually under their skin. So, Michelle, while technology does not replace actually enjoying your pet and spending time and sharing that love and interaction, what it can do is it can add to those experiences, both for us as well as for our furry friends. Well, that will wrap us up for today. To hear more Everyday Tech, tune in each Wednesday at 10 a.m. or online at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This has been Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition.
Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman is warning Mississippians about a telephone scam. This after several citizens in the Northeast are reporting receiving suspicious phone calls from individuals claiming to be voter registration companies. The callers offer the opportunity to register over the phone using the last four digits of a Social Security number or a full driver's license number and date of birth. Secretary Hoseman says don't provide personal information over the phone for this or any purpose. He tells us it's necessary to register and to get out and vote. You can go on my website, sos.ms.gov, and uh, download the application and mail it in. It has to be postmarked by a Tuesday. Uh, or just come by the circuit clerk's office. What kind of paperwork is involved? It's just a one-page form. You have to say that you're a citizen of uh, the United States, of course, and that you're a Mississippian and uh, you know lived, lived here the requisite number of months. And and you're ready to go, and we'll put you on the rolls uh, in the precinct that you claim. And uh, when you go to vote, your name will be on there. When you register, they'll tell you where you vote. Right, and I have a, a Y'all Vote app, and I'll also tell you if you you know give me your address, I'll tell you where to go cast your ballot. We have we have eighteen hundred precincts in Mississippi, so there's a, there's a lot of them, and people move around. That's another thing, Karen. If you move, you can go online now. I've got it where you can change your voting precinct. If you've got your driver's license and, and your voter registration card, you can change your voting precinct if you move from Madison to Rankin or from Hancock to, you know, to Jackson or something. You can go online and change your precinct before the election day. Those uh, voter rolls are usually printed the week before the election. So I'd encourage you, if you've moved around, go ahead so you don't have to cast an absentee ballot. Go ahead and, and go online and change change your precinct. Is it mm-hmm. Regular hours, like 8 yes, to ma'am. 5? Yes, ma'am. Give your pitch. I know you feel very strongly about people exercising their right to vote. Yeah, we had a horrible turnout in the primaries with 13 percent. It was abysmal. And it just seems amazing to me. Uh, we have a right to vote in Mississippi. That's been earned with a lot of struggles by a lot of people and a lot of wars and other things. Now, I think you also have an obligation to vote. How are you going to tell these people that are overseas today and not going to be home on November or December or, or Christmas or Easter or anything else, how are you going to tell them what they're doing is not important? It wasn't important enough for you to get in your truck and go cast a ballot at 1,800 locations. We have 5,000 machines out there uh, to take 10 minutes and cast a ballot. I hope Mississippians, we're, we're some of the most patriotic people in, in the country here. I hope they start to realize that that their next door neighbor, their citizen from their town, is overseas and not going to be able to be here, and we ought to honor them. And uh, also, I'm I have purchased uh, one thousand eight hundred ribbons, yellow ribbons, and there will be yellow ribbons on all the precincts, so that when you cast go cast your ballot, I think you'll feel better about yourself. Really, uh, not only are you casting a ballot for two senators and four congressmen and and the judiciary of Mississippi. But you're, but you're also casting a ballot for that man or woman that's overseas in, in, in a sand dune somewhere. So there'll be yellow ribbons on all our precincts to remind ourselves of the 
commitment of our forefathers and our commitment of our community today. Let's talk about the scam or the sham or however you want to refer to it that's going on now that pertains to people registering. Yeah, I, we had this conversation you and I have about nonprofits. People call it Christmas, ask for your credit card number. and if, Don't do that over the phone. I mean, let's all use some common sense. Well, guess what? Now, at least in Lee County that we've gotten reports of in, in other counties, apparently, they're calling and saying you're not registered to vote. So give me your Social Security card number and your date of birth. And it's a scam. You know, no circuit clerk's doing that. Don't give out your Social Security number over the phone for anybody. Uh, And clearly there's nobody doing this. What can somebody do with that? Well, what they do is they want to get in your bank account. They want your Social Security number, your date of birth, and your address. And there's a real good chance they can hack into your uh, credit card or your bank account. And then you go go to the bank and you find all your money's missing and it's gone to somewhere. And you'll never get it back. They don't ever get it back. So I I would caution you all to use common sense. We contacted, they say they're with uh, TurboVote or something, so we called their uh, head office yesterday, uh, which is, I think, Massachusetts. And they indicated, no, they had nothing to do with this, and they were getting other reports from around the country. Mississippi was the first to come back to them and say, somebody's doing a scam. But that is a legitimate company, TurboVote. Yeah, it is a very, it's a very legitimate, and they, they have released their own press release, I think, last night, saying that they didn't have anything to do with this, but... I would just encourage our voters and our charitable givers in December again, but please don't give out your Social Security number. Please don't give out your date of birth to people over the phone. Don't give out your credit card number or any of that. Uh, Just use common sense. And in Mississippi, we're targeted again by these scam artists trying to, during election season, trying to get your information that they'll use to steal your money. Isn't there another company that the callers are saying they're from? There were two of them there. I think they're listed in our press release. Democracy, Democracy Works. Yes, ma'am. And those are legitimate companies, by the way, And they, but they don't do calls telling people they're not registered to vote. Give me your date of birth. And You know, it seems like there are a lot of scam calls going on lately. There I mean, are. I'm and, seeing it all over Facebook, mm-hmm. people complaining. I'm on the do not call list, and I still get calls all the time that are scam calls. They they are scam, and I, I'm the same way. By the same token, as long as we're on this, everything that comes over Facebook is not right. So I'm, I'm warning the voters now that we will be targeted in Mississippi. Uh, we have a very uh, diverse group of people running for the United States Senate. Um, men and women, uh, 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 men, men of color, and we have all kinds of different people. There'll be the most scurrilous things put out on the Internet about these people. Uh, and, it, and it is a horrible price for the candidates to have to pay uh, for untruths to be cast about about them, their family, their prior history, or anything else. So I, I would encourage you all to use a filter. If you want to know about the candidate, they've all got websites. Go look it up. Uh, ask a candidate to come to your county when they have a, uh, a, a breakfast or a lunch or a speaking engagement. Listen to them. Uh, make your own decision up. The biggest threat, I think, to our, our republic or our democracy, whichever way you want to say that, is not that you're going to lose a ballot in the process. We're not connected to the Internet. That's not going to happen. The biggest threat is you don't vote, and you control that. And further, that you read all this scurrilous stuff that comes over the Internet and you say, well, these are all crooks and I'm not going to vote, you know. And so, well, congratulations. Guess the Chinese and the Russians and the North Koreans, they won. You lost because you didn't take 10 minutes and go cast your ballot. That's how they'll get to us. Not so much by changing a ballot over the Internet. That's not going to happen, I don't think. 
but but they'll get to you by by giving you misinformation in boatloads. And I give you an example. Um, in the Mueller investigation, they they cited one of the Russian ones. It was T E N N underscore G O P. Well, you and I would think that's the Tennessee Republican Party. It was the Russians. So I, I'm just encouraging everybody again use common sense here on not only on voter registration but on information on the internet. Verify you're your own self. Not that Susie sent you a retweet of something else who somebody sent her and uh, and she retweeted. Don't do that and don't pay attention to those. Pay attention to the candidate and what they're saying and their websites and all of that. Uh, and for goodness sakes, don't let our country be taken over by by the internet, uh, Facebook slash whatever they call it, email, that uh, group that, that is right now today trying to dis- destroy our republic. And I, I would encourage you not to let that happen. Go cast a boat. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman, thank you so much. And before we leave you, a tropical storm that rapidly forms southwest of Cuba could become a Category 2 hurricane by the time it makes landfall in a few days on the Gulf Coast in the Florida panhandle. Michael is expected to gain hurricane status by tonight or tomorrow. At this point, the track of the storm is not expected to come ashore near Mississippi. For the latest updates, follow MPB News and the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Deep South Dining at 10. It's now you're talking at 11. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.